listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Jerry Hunt as he comes and ministers to us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome to the house of God. It's a, it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. In fact, it's even greater to be the house of the Lord because that's what you are. The Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he lives in us. And just what the pastor said, he lives in us. And today, we've been talking, last night we talked about uh, God's priority for the Christian. How many think we need to get our priorities straight? In this day and age, it's time to get our priorities straight. But God has a priority for us. And the priority for us, last night we talked about this and we said, we said God's priority for the Christian, is it, is it deliverance or is it development? And the answer is development. You see, it's not always for your highest good to be delivered from something because God sometimes wants to develop you in that something. How many know what I'm talking about is true? Now, today we want to talk about God's priority for the Christian. Is it deliverance or development? Last night, development. But today it's this, holiness or happiness. God has a priority for the Christian. I'm not talking about the sinner. I'm talking about the Christian. God's priority for the Christian is not happiness, but it is what? Holiness. How many remember the day when you tried to make yourself happy? Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't want you happy. You know, happy, happy, happy. You know, I'm happy in Jesus. But you see, it's because you found Christ and he changed your life and made you holy that you became happy. You see, it's happiness is the result of happenings. A lot of people, if the happenings aren't right, they're not happy. Happen, happen, happiness. <laughs> happening in this. You see, as long as things are going their way, they're happy. Well, sometimes you're not always going to be happy. Sometimes Pastor Philip is going to preach a message. It just might not make you happy. But if you'll respond to it, God will make you holy. He'll make you holy. And then you'll understand that true happiness comes when you submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He might step on your toes. It might sting your nose. It might do whatever. But I'll tell you this. The Holy Ghost will convict you and bring you to a place in Him where you can grow and develop and truly be holy in Jesus Christ. I remember the day, you remember the day when before you were saved, you thought you could make yourself happy. In fact, you weren't happy. You were searching for happiness. How many remember those days? You're searching for happiness, and so what did you try to do? You tried to fill the void. You tried to fill the gap with drugs. 
with alcohol, with relationships with men or women. You tried to do it with activity, with religion. You tried to fill it with whatever you could, searching for meaning, searching for purpose, searching for happiness. And it eluded you. When I was a kid, I thought if I only had a skateboard, I'd be happy. So I got the skateboard. Then I thought if I just had a bike, I'd be happy. Then I got a bike, but I got a hand-me-down bike. You see, I have four brothers. Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, and I'm Jerry. That's the truth. It was a nightmare at our house. So guess what I got stuck with? Oh, they thought I was spoiled. I got the hand-me-down bike. But I always thought if I just had a bike, I didn't care what kind it was, I'd be happy. So I got the bike. And then as time goes by, I thought, you know, if I just had a car, I'd be happy. So I got the car. Then I thought if I just had a woman to put in the car, I'd be happy. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Am I, am I wrong? Oh, I, I know what it feels like. But you know what? That doesn't make you happy. So then you think, well, if we just get married, then we'd be happy. And so then we get married. And then we say, well, what we really need is a couple of kids, and then we'd be happy. And so then we get a couple of kids. And then we say, well, what we really need is our own house to get out of this apartment. If we only had our own home, we'd be happy. So you get your own home. And then you think, what we really need is a second home to get away from the first home. And then you'd only be happy. And then you say, what we really need is a boat on the lake of the second home so we can be happy. And on and on it goes. And you never get happy. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Your true satisfaction and your true happiness is only found in Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, the King of kings, and God of the universe. He is the one who lives in me, and his determination and priority is to make you holy before God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Well, now we'll begin. And that takes me right to my text. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Turn there with me if you have a Bible. If you don't, you'll see it on the screen. But listen to what he says. There are three things in this message. Three points. Number one, proclamation. Number two, purpose. The purpose for the proclamation. Number three, provision. So let's take a look at that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read the verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great thing? That's the proclamation. What is Paul doing? He is proclaiming something. And here's what he's proclaiming. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is to be blessed. Now, that's the proclamation. The proclamation is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed is where we get our word eulogy from. You ever been to a funeral? And people say, I'm giving a eulogy. You know what a eulogy is? It's when you get up and you speak well of the person who is deceased. This word in the Greek text is eulageo, lagos, word, you, well, eulogy, eulogy. There you go. You see, what Paul is saying is, because God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is who He is. Come on. Yeah. He deserves to be spoken well of. Yeah. 
And I think that's what your pastor has done up here, is spoken well about our God. I think it's time for the church to proclaim, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's speak well about God. Let's speak right about God. How many remember Job, when Job was taunted by all those trials, and his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What's that mean? You speak right about God, even when you're going through trial, even when you're going through trouble. You talk right about God. You speak well of God. You know what happened with Job's friends gave him a bad time. And at the end of the story, in, 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 in the book of Job, chapter 42, it says that God told those three friends, he said this, you go to Job and you ask Job to pray for you. For he, for, for, for rather for you, he says, have not spoken that which is right about me as Job has. I think it's time for us to speak well about God regardless of what you're going through. You can't blame God for every brown blade of grass in your front yard. God's always the problem. And when everybody curses, they always use God's name. I'm sick of it. The devil's the one that they ought to start cursing. My God has supplied and will supply all my needs. He deserves the glory and he deserves the praise. That's the proclamation. Now look at the next line. It says this. Who has blessed us. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's the purpose for your proclamation. Why should you speak well of God? You should speak well of God because of this. Because he has already blessed you. I said he has already blessed you. How many God has blessed? Has God blessed anybody? It doesn't say, it doesn't say bless his name because he will bless you. No, because he already what? Already what? Already has blessed you. You know, if God never blessed you again, you've got enough to be thankful for from here to eternity. And if you would think about what God has done for you, God wouldn't have to do anything for you anymore. Our problem is we don't remember what he already has done. But what has he done? He has blessed us. Well, notice, notice, what's the nature of this blessing? The nature of this blessing is found in three things. He gives them to you. He describes the blessings in three ways, using three prepositions in the Greek text. And the word in, I-N, is in each one of them. It precedes each one of them. Notice it says, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. That's number one. Now, you see the word with? The actual word there is in. So it should be said this way. He has blessed us in every kind of spiritual blessing. Now, the next preposition is seen there, in heavenly places. Now, look at the next one. In, how many see it there? Do you see it there? In Christ. So, you see, God has blessed us. What has he blessed us with? Number one, every kind of spiritual blessing. The blessings he's blessed you with, guess what, friend, are spiritual. What are they? Hope, peace, joy, salvation. You're not going to hell. There is therefore now no what? Condemnation to them who are in Christ. Boy, God has done something great for you. God has done something great for you. In, in every kind of spiritual blessing. Notice the next one. It says, in heavenly places. The blessings are not only spiritual, but number two, they are in heavenly places. In other words, they come from him. It's where Christ dwells. Aren't you glad that God thought enough about you? Like Pastor Philip said, he breathed into you the very breath of life. And that alone is the greatest blessing you could ever receive. Is to have Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. They are in heavenly places. But also notice this, number two, in the heavenly places realm. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. We wrestle not 
How many know this? Against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Did you know the devil is the prince of the power of the air? When the Jews would look to where the devil was, they didn't look down. They looked up because he's the prince of the power of the air. Do you realize heavenly places is also the place of spiritual opposition for you? Do you know that God has blessed us in every kind of spiritual blessing? In heavenly places, they come from Jesus, but also the devil is opposing those blessings coming to you. But God says this, in the face of opposition, God will bless you even though the devil tries to stop you. There's no demon in hell. There's no force in the, in the councils of hell that can stop God from blessing you with every kind of spiritual blessing. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The devil going to try to stop it. But you know what? He's no match for Jesus. So he's saying, in the face of opposition, God will bless you. Thou preparest a table before me. Somebody help me. In the presence of my enemy. In the very presence of the devil. God can feed you with a nugget of truth that will hold you to the very end. That's the kind of God that I serve. And notice these blessings are number three. In Christ. If you don't have Jesus, you ain't got nothing, Jack. If you don't have Jesus, you ain't got anything. You can kick your leg and you can shake your left foot and you can turn yourself all about. But it don't mean diddly. If Jesus isn't the one, it's in Christ. Notice, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul said, we preach Christ and Him crucified. You will notice in the scriptures that whenever you see that, it's always Jesus first, then what He did. Jesus first, then what He did. Who He is, then what He did. Who He is, then what He did. Who He is, then what He did. We preach Christ, who He is, then Him crucified. It's always who, not just the what. It's always the who first. Behold the Lamb of God. What's the next one? Who taketh away? Do you see the change? You see, it's just not just what he did. It's who did it. It doesn't matter what was done if the one who did it is somebody else. But the one who did it is Jesus. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne stood a lamb as it had been slain. Notice it's who he is, the lamb. And then what? As he had been slain. Never forget, it's always Christ, 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 Christ. Because if it's not Christ, it doesn't matter what he did. But because it's Jesus, then what he died on the cross of Calvary means everything to me. And now you have a reason to bless him. You have a reason to praise him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, we have the proclamation. Now we have the purpose. But now let's look at the provision. How are these blessings provided to us? Notice it says, according, everybody see that up there? According, what's the next word? As. How is it provided? According as. You get these spiritual blessings according as. According as what? According as God hath chosen you in him before the foundation of the world. See that? Yeah. So, so here's, the, here's the deal. How do you get these blessings? On the basis of what the Father has done. Now question. What has the Father done? Everything. He's done everything. Here it says according as. He, God, 
chosen us in Christ. Notice, how did he choose us? In Christ. When did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world. Why did he choose us? That we should be holy. And without blame. Before him. In love. You see? You see what the Father has done? Oh, what did he do? He chose us. How did he choose us? In Christ. How many see that never-ending debate between predestination there? Have you ever heard of predestination? You've heard of that. Where some people believe, wrongly by the way, they believe that God chooses, predetermines some people to hell and some people to heaven. God already selected everybody out beforehand. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because the scriptures do not, do not support that. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that it says God pre-elects some to heaven and some to hell. My Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You do not, you do not interpret obscure passages or obvious passages by obscure ones. You interpret obscure ones by obvious ones. Let's look at the obvious. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw the pre-elected to me. That's not what he said. I'll draw all men unto me. I'm here to tell you today that God chose us before the foundation of the world. That we should be in him. That we should be in Christ. That doesn't mean that he predetermines some to heaven and some to hell. So what's it like? Well, let me just draw you just a little picture of what it really is. I believe in predestination. I believe predestination, foreordination are the same. Let me just say this. God knew foreknowledge is different than foreordination. God knew that man would sin, but he didn't ordain it to be. God knew that sin would come into the world, but he didn't foreordain it to be. God knew, God knew you were going to sin, but he didn't foreordain you to sin. Just because he knows doesn't mean he foreordains. I wish people would get their act together. I wish they would read the Bible. But this, this, let me just draw for you. Here's a line. I'm just going to draw you a line. And at the end of this line is hell. Everybody see that? Yeah. It's hell. Now here you are on this line. Oh, there you are. And everybody's born in sin. You were not born a Christian. You were born a sinner. Now, it is a predetermined, foreordained fact that if you stay on this line, you're going to end up in hell. But one day, you came to Heartsease, and you heard the gospel. Your pastor has a genuine love for Christ, a genuine love for people, a genuine passion for the lost. You should thank God for this man every day, every day. But you came to church, and you heard the message, and you made a decision. We're going to call this line heaven right here. You made a decision. And you jumped from this line to this line. And it's a predetermined, foreordained conclusion, predestinated fact that if you stay on this line, you're going to end up in heaven. So are you predestinated? Mm-hmm. Are you predestinated? Yes. On what basis? On the basis of the choices you make in your life. 
You can never divorce election. You can never divorce being chosen in him. You can never divorce it from human will and responsibility and decision. For God has called you to make a decision. He calls men everywhere to repent. He calls all men everywhere to repent. That makes perfect sense to me. Yes, that makes sense. There's a boat going to heaven. And it's called the church. The gospel ship. And if you want to get on it, you can get on it. If you don't want to get on it, you don't have to get on it. But God chose that ship from the foundation of the world. That it's going to be in heaven. And if you want on, you can get on. But if you don't want on, you don't have to. And if you get on and then you want off and you jump off, Charlie, you're on your own. But I have chosen to make a decision. made a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now notice this. How did he choose me? In Christ. When did he choose me? Before the foundation of the world. Now here comes the message. See, that was all introduction. Why did he choose me? To be happy. No. No. To be holy. Notice the next word. And. Does everybody see that word and? I'm going to tell you today what holiness is. He has called us to holiness. That is God's priority for you. That should be your priority as well. Not to be happy. Oh, oh, I want to go to church. Make me happy. A lot of people go to church and the churches have screwed up. And they're trying to make everybody happy. Oh, so they have relevant messages to relevant people living in a relevant world. Hi, Agnes. Hi. Do you go to church? Oh, yes. How you like it? Oh, I love my church. We have a relevant pastor speaking relevant messages to a relevant world. Fred, we think about naming our church the relevant assembly of God. <laughs> well, that's well and good. I, I, I believe in being relevant, but the truth of the matter is, it all depends on your definition of relevant. That's correct. Yeah. Good. If your definition of relevant is attendance, buildings, and cash. Yeah. In other words, the word relevant means germane to the issue at hand. What's the issue at hand? Well, for some churches, it's making people feel good. The issue at hand is attendance, buildings, and cash. I call that the ABCs of church growth. Attendance, buildings, and cash. That's what some churches have. And so therefore, yes, their message of compromise is relevant. But if the issue at hand is sin, and it is according to the book, then friends, I'll tell you this. The message must be Christ and Him crucified. That's the relevant message. That's the relevant message. What are you saying? I'm saying that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that message we preach is not a message. Pastor Philip and I are the same on this. We do not look to the times in which we live. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but I know him. We do not... Look at the times in which we live and get a message to preach to the people from those times. We get a message from this book and we speak to the times. I said we speak to the times. We must correct the spirit of the age in which we live by saying, thus saith the Lord. God has chosen you not to be happy, but to be holy. Now, what is holiness? What is holiness? Well, it's not sinless perfection. Because that would eliminate every one of us. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So it's not so as perfection, but here's what it is. He describes it. Now, this word and, that we should be holy and. See the word and. That word in the Greek text, not that it really matters to you, but it really is important, is the word that can also be translated, and in this case, should be translated even. Or, that is. So we can read it this way, that we should be holy, that is. See that? That is. 
without blame. That is before him. That is in love. So he describes what holiness is by using three phrases. Without blame, before him, in love. These three phrases will tell us what holiness is. And I am here to tell you today, I didn't come 1,100 miles to give you a one trip to the salad bar. I came to give you the whole buffet and dessert included. And I have to do that because God's called me to do that. And that's why your pastor and I are such good friends. So you need to know what holiness really is. That is, number one, without blame. So let's look at that. What is holiness? Well, number one, it is without blame. Holiness is blamelessness. You say, oh, brother, blamelessness. Yes, blamelessness. But it doesn't say faultlessness. Did you hear what I said? He didn't say faultless. He said without blame. How many know we're all at fault? Do you know we all have faults? Faultlessness is different than blamelessness. Let me describe to you what faultlessness is. Faultlessness has to do with your natural powers, your faculties. Your natural powers and faculties are non-moral. Trying to shut me down. Do it to myself. Your natural powers and faculties are non-moral. Let me give you an example, such as a bad memory. Yeah. I had professors in Bible college, one of the holiest, some of the holiest men I know, and you had them too, and they couldn't remember a phone number. But it's not a sin to have a bad memory. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I need another example. Some people, men, women, and both, are gullible. I mean, ever, anybody ever met a gullible person? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Okay, well, yeah, raise your hand. Okay, but you met a gullible person. You know, gullibility—they believe just about anything. My grandpa was just a little bit gullible, but a wonderful man of God, a holy man, eh, a little gullible. But that's not a sin to be gullible. It's a fault, but it's not a sin. You see, all sins are mistakes, but not all mistakes are sins. You need to hear this today. I'm speaking to somebody. You need to know what holiness is. It is not faultlessness. It is blamelessness. You see, friends, blamelessness has to do with your motives. It has to do with your inner desires. That is moral all the way. We are called to holiness. What are we called to? Holiness. That is, we are called to have a heart that is clean before God, that is right with its desires, whose motives are pure and upright and true and loving. Many people have poor judgment They can't pick men. They can't pick women. I'm just telling it like it is. I've counseled with enough people. They've got poor judgment, but they've got great motives. Their motive is right. Their heart is right. They want what God wants. They just have some judgment issues. They got some faults. But friends, we are called to holiness, which is, that is, blamelessness, which is right, upright, true, and pure motives. I was a youth pastor way back in 1980. That's a long time ago now. I had my first youth group. We had a car wash. 
I was, we, I, it was my brother Larry's church, and I was his youth pastor. And we were going to have a car wash with the youth group. We had a church. The church sat right on the road on the main drag. And it was an old church, just a basic church. And it had a, a, a driveway that went all the way around. It was, a, it was a, a, like a horse you could drive in and go all the way around, come out the other side. Kind of cool. It was gravel. Did I say it was gravel? It was gravel. It had sand and gravel and all loose. It was just what we had. So I had a car wash. One of the guys in the church was a, a semi-truck driver. His name was Terry Gentry. He just got a brand new Kenwood tractor, semi-tractor, trailer. <sighs> Paid $100,000 for it. Man, was it nice. Black. Oh, was it shower? Was it big old long nose. How many have seen it? Big old long nose. Boy, that oh, man, the seats were air. Oh, boy, it was great. You know what he did? He drove that thing into our church to have our kids wash that truck. I thought, dear Jesus, help us all. Well, we had a little kid. His name was Jimmy. Jimmy was about eight years old. Now, he wasn't in a youth group, but his brother was in the youth group. And you know how it is with the little kids. We let him hang around. So Jimmy came. One day, he wanted to, be, he wanted to help us. Jimmy wanted to help us wash cars. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll just kind of keep out of the way. You know? But he had a good heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> you know, you can say anything about anybody as long as you put bless your heart at the end. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, anyway, I won't go into that. So Jimmy had a good heart. He wanted to help us wash cars. Well, lo and behold, Terry drives him in this big old brand new $100,000 Kenworth truck. And we're just carefully washing this truck. Did I say we were on a gravel driveway? You have tennis shoes and gravel gets in your shoes. Did I say that? I don't know if I did. <laughs> well, I think you figured that out. Lo and behold, we're washing the truck. And I look up and there's Jimmy. He climbed up on that Kenworth truck. And he's on the nose of that truck washing the windshield of Terry's truck. And my heart went ka-thump, ka-thump, ka-thump. And you know why? Because Jimmy was standing on the hood of that Kenworth truck with his shoes, which had gravel on them, going this way and that way. How many know we got trouble in the camp? Does anybody hear me? Does anybody feel my pain? Does anybody understand what I'm going through at the moment? Does anybody can see where my trouble is? Oh, I just want to take that kid and wring his little old neck. And say, you little squirt, you get off that truck. Jesus' name, he's going to get you. <laughs> so Terry, the owner of the show, he, he, he sees that kid up on top of that camera. He goes, Ugh! and we're all like, don't move. Just don't move. And he looks at Jimmy, and Terry says, Jimmy, don't move. Just, just jump. Jump into my arms. <laughs> and Jimmy jumps, and he doesn't know what's going on. He jumps into his arms, and he puts him down on the ground. And what did Terry do? He said, you wretch. No. He didn't do that. You know why? Because Jimmy had good motives. His heart was right. We didn't call him the devil. We were a little concerned. But nevertheless, we do know that Jimmy's heart was right. Is anybody hearing me today? He was at fault, but he was blameless. We couldn't blame him. We couldn't beat him up. We couldn't drag him through the mud. We couldn't give him a bad time. He had a heart that wanted to do what was right. That's the difference. So you should be holy. That is what? Pure motives. Let me ask you today. What are your motives like? What are your motives like? What are your motives like? What is your desire like? Do you really want to please God? Or do you want to have an image that lets people know how great you really are? God has not called you to be happy. He's not even called you to jump up and down and scream and shout. Although I like doing that. Believe me. And you know me. I'm the first guy to cry. I'm the first guy to shout. I'm the first guy to say amen. When I'm preaching, I'm waiting on God. 
But what I am saying this, what about your motives? That you should be holy, that is, without blame. Number two, before him. Holiness is blamelessness, not sinless perfection, but blamelessness. Number two, holiness is, is before God. How many know that holiness really is before God? It's not before men. He says before God, not before men. You know, the Pharisees did everything before men. Oh, I, I, the reason I'm here is because I just want everybody to see that I can pray really good. I pray really well. Let me show you. Our Father... Who art in the most high heaven? I added some of my own. You see, and, and so Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites who want to be seen of men. Let me tell you, holiness is what God sees. Legalism is what man sees. That does not mean that if you're holy before God and walking before him, that doesn't mean that it won't show up on the outside before men. Well, of course it will. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your what, what, what? Good works and glorify you. No, darling. No, no, glorify God. That means the works that you do are of such a nature that it causes men to glorify God and look to Him and not look to you. Glory to God. I know this is tough stuff, but the truth of the matter is it needs to be said. It is before Him. It is before Him. That's what holiness is. Now, why can't I walk before him? I'll tell you why I can't walk before him sometimes. Not sometimes. A lot of times. It's because I forget who lives in me. Holiness is before him. That means when you watch TV, you watch TV with the Holy Ghost. That means when you read that novel... You read the novel with the Holy Ghost. That means when you watch Netflix, you watch Netflix with the Holy Ghost. When you watch any movie, you watch the movie with the Holy Ghost. That means when you have a conversation with people about other people, you, have a, you do it with the Holy Ghost. That means when you listen to music, you listen to music with the Holy Ghost. How many see what I'm saying? If you watch TV, listen to music, and do it all with the Holy Ghost, guess what? There's some things you won't watch, you won't listen to, you won't read, and some conversations you won't have. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost is there. Our problem is we forgot the Holy Ghost is there. I said we forgot the Holy Ghost is there. If you can remember that the Holy Ghost is there, you'll watch what you say, watch where you go, watch what you do, watch what you listen to, because you remember that the Holy Ghost is what he said. He lives in you. I'm so glad you said that. That was right up my alley. Because that's exactly what I want to say. He lives in me. And we forget that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6 says we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. Oh man. Let's pretend you have a quarter in your hand. You got a quarter in your hand. How many ain't worth a whole lot? And that quarter you got in your hand, if you flip that quarter up and down... Let's say you're walking downtown New York City, and I've been there once. And you have a court, and you're flipping it. And some guy walks by and goes, you don't call the cops. You say, it's just a quarter, honey, just take and leave. But if you had $300 cash in your pocket, there it is. Would you walk downtown New York City going like this, hey, look at my money. How many of you wouldn't do that? 
No, what would you do? You put in your pocket. And you and you and and and, and, and you probably put your hand on it. And he'd be walking downtown New York like this. How you doing? Hello. In fact, you might even do this. How you doing? Good to see you. How you been? <laughs> How many know it's different, isn't it? You see, you don't know who what you got in your pocket. Sometimes people think that God is no more than 25 cent piece. Have you devalued your God? When you devalue your God, he lets you do whatever you want. When you have a God that's not worth anything. You know why the Philistines sent away the Ark of the Covenant and kept Dagon, the one that fell down and broke into pieces? Because they preferred a Dagon who lets them do whatever they want to a true God who calls them to holiness. And they got rid of the right thing and kept the wrong thing. Bunch of jerks. What's the matter with them? Truth of the matter is we do the same thing. We devalue our God. And we become flippant. The 25 cent flip. You see, you got God in you. More than a quarter, sir. My, my wife and I came up with the little kids. We were, the kids were little. We go on vacation. Vacation consisted of going to Karen's mom and dad's house in northern Minnesota. I didn't have any credit cards back then. You didn't have a credit card back then. So I had cash. I'd cash my check from the church, take that week's vacation. I had like 300 bucks. So I take that $300, and I had it with me, and I kept it, man. I didn't put it in my wallet. I had it in my pocket. And I would, I would fill up the tank with gas. It cost me about probably 10, 15 bucks, say 15. And then I'd get that 15, give them the money, get my money back. And you know what I did? I'd count my money, 24 to 60, 81, 24 to 60, 82, 24 to 60, 85, 80, I got $285 I put in my pocket. We drive down the road, stop at McDonald's for the kids, get something to eat, spend about ten bucks. We'd spend about ten bucks, then I'd go in the bathroom at McDonald's. I'd shut the stall door. I ain't t- I'm telling you the truth. And I take my money out because I want nobody to see me. And I count that money. What I got left? I'm sure I got two. I'm twenty, forty, sixty, eighty, one, twenty, forty, two. Okay, I got, I got two hundred. Well, yeah, you know why you're laughing? You know why? I tell you why you're laughing because you do the same thing. That's probably why. <laughs> And I put that money back in my pocket, and we drive down the road, and we get a motel for the night. And I'd pay like 50 bucks for the motel, and I'd go into the room, open the door, and I'd come. You know what I did? How I many know what I did? I count that money, 24, 6, 81. I got $220, I got $220, $220. Thank you, Jesus, I got $220. I take that $220 out, we get ready to go to bed. And I can't tell you the honest truth is the true story. I take that money, I lay it on top of that television set. That's the television, you know what a television is? That's a television that has a, it's big, and you can put something on top of it. Now you can't put nothing on top of it, but you could then. <laughs> Okay, and I put that money on top of that television, and I, I put the money on there. I counted it before I counted it before I went on that television, two hundred and twenty. But I counted it, and I stick my wallet on top of that, and then I put and then I put a New Testament on top of that, and then I take my keys and put my keys on top of the New Testament. Then I take a hanky, something my mother called it, put a hanky on top of the whole thing, drape it over the whole thing. I figure somebody come in that room, I'm gonna hear those keys ring, and they gotta know I took my money. I wanna make sure nobody take my money. How many hear what I'm saying? I'd wake up in the morning. I knew there was 220 there. I'd wake up in the morning. You know what I did? How many know what I did? I took that hanky off, took the keys off, took the New Testament off, took the wallet off. I took the money off. 20, 40, 60, 81. 20, 40, 60, 82. 24, I got 220. But glory to God, I still got it. You know why? You see, friends, when you know who it is that lives in you, it's not just a quarter you got. It's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that lives inside of you. And if you would realize that he lives in you, you wouldn't be so flippant in your talk. You would watch the way you walk. 
and when you go in at night, you would count the presence of God to see if he is still there. And when you wake up in the morning, you're going to count him to see if he's still there. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of my God. Hallelujah. That's holiness. Holiness is knowing who lives in you. And if you can keep that in your mind and in your heart, you wouldn't talk the way you do. I'm tired of some of the words that Christians use. One starts with the letter F. And they don't say to one, but I know what they mean. I say if God lives in you, and you know that he lives in you, you will be walking before him. Watch TV with the Holy Ghost. Lastly, in love. Holiness is in love. He defines holiness, number one, as blamelessness. Number two, he defines holiness as before him. Number three, he defines holiness as in love. Did you know that the essence of holiness is love? Oh, yeah. How many know 1 Corinthians 13? You know it really well. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, it profits me what? Somebody? Nothing. Love suffers what? Long. It is kind. It doesn't envy. It's not boastful. It's not proud. How many see holiness there? Does anybody in the house see holiness there? Love is not proud. Mm. Love does not boast. Mm. Love Love does not choose its own way. That's holiness. When I met Karen, the love of my life, L-U-V. My dad always taught me to do the right thing. When I fell in love with Karen, man, let me tell you something. Woo. I wanted to spend a lot of time with her. I was in Bible college. I, I, I had college to do. I had Bible college to do. But guess what? When it came to doing a term paper or studying for an exam or spend, and spending time with Karen, between those two things, I did the right thing. <laughs> I was always taught to do the right thing. Lord, my daddy taught me to do the right thing. And I, I determined that the right thing was to spend time with Karen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thine the glory. <laughs> so I did the right thing. I spent time with Karen. You see what love does? Love separated me from things that I didn't want to to do from that which I did want to do and love will always separate you from if there's one thing I don't want to do is disappoint my dad why? because I love him and because I love him I don't want to do the things that he doesn't want me to do I ask you, do you really love God? If you love God, you will keep his commandments and the Bible says the commandments of God are not grievous to those who love him and I want to tell you something. Because of my love for Karen, I would gladly give up anything to spend time with her. You see what love does? Love separates you from things that don't feed that love. I hope you're hearing me. The Bible says love is the fulfilling of the law. So we obey because we love him. And that love is the motive behind obedience. And it's that love. And I'll close with this. It's that love that kept those three Hebrew fellows in the furnace. The ones that Pastor talked about. 
Remember those three guys? What were their names? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You see, they said this. Our God is able to deliver us. Now, what did the king want to do? He wanted to compromise and bow before his image. And they said, nothing doing. He said, all right, you're going to go into the furnace. And if you don't denounce this, you're in. So they said, our God is able to deliver us. How many think that's pretty cool? And they said, they said, and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, be it known unto thee, O king, we still will not bow down to this image. Do you see holiness? You better see holiness right there. I see holiness. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, is, is what? Love. Our God is able to deliver us. That's faith. And he will deliver us. That's hope. You know what hope is? Hope is faith that doesn't put any time restrictions on God. Hope is faith that doesn't limit God to a calendar. And he will deliver us. How many know he will deliver you? Maybe not in this life, but he's going to deliver you. And then they said this, but if he doesn't, and that is love. That is so powerful. The greatest of these is love. And they said one thing for sure. Because we love God, our love for him keeps us from bowing down to the spirit of this age. Our love for God keeps us doing the right thing and not the wrong thing to God be the glory. And the greatest of these is love. Oh, hear what I'm saying today. We will not bow down. Love is holiness. It's the love they had for God that kept them separated from bowing down to that image. Amen. Amen. So therefore, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Purpose, why? Because he has blessed us. Not will bless you, but he already has. If you'll spend time on what he has done, you won't need God to do nothing for you anymore. And he provided it in the fact that he chose you from the foundation of the world. That you should be, that you should be holy. That is, without blame, before him in love. Thank you for letting us be here today. God bless you. like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.